welcome to the 7th Annual Bevy Awards, presented by the Bird's Eye View Podcast. With appearances by... Utah Street Report. The Baltimore Sports Today Podcast. The Full Count Chaos Podcast. Orioles Fan Problems. The Roar from 34. The Wind Up Podcast. The Baseball Widows. And now, here are your hosts, Jake English and Scott Magnus. Thank you, Jovial Jay Shepard, and welcome one and all to the 7th Annual Bevy Awards. That's right, it's time for our annual mid-season awards show where we hand out made-up hardware to people who deserve it, and some who don't, in Birdland. Well, Scott, what can we say? I mean, podcasting through the 2018 season was simply an exercise in finding new and interesting ways to say, this team is awful. And we did it over an hour, most instances. <laughs> we did indeed. And here we are in 2019. It's shaping up to be more of the same with over an hour episodes. And that's true. Um, but we, as we pointed out last week, um, there are moments of light in this darkness that has plagued Birdland. Uh, the draft was certainly exciting. Uh, there are signs that this rebuild might actually work. Plus, some of the players have had some surprising first halves, both positive and negative. That's true. I mean, let's look. Anthony Santander has been certainly... Oh, I did it again. Anthony Santander has just been a breath of fresh air. Yeah. He has been inspired. Honestly, I was thinking more like uh, Trey Mancini's and John Means than not yeah, Santander. Right. Yeah, yeah, we've been all right. But, uh, I mean, there are many bright spots in the Orioles, and we'll get to that later in the show with our award segment. That is true. But we must, we must face facts, Scott, in a bold and real way. These moments of light, as you call them, they've been few and far between. And one of the darkest areas of this team in 2019 has been the bullpen. It seems that no lead is safe from this band of miscreants. Now, don't get me wrong, there have been plenty of games in which the starters have given away the game in the first three innings, but the bullpen has been a special kind of frustrating. And it is with this frustration in mind that I would like to open this show with our usual musical number. Today, 
position to win a bunch of games uh, last couple of weeks and just have a tough time uh, closing the door down. Just lack of command and just had a tough time uh, throwing strikes. And, uh, yeah, it's just a rough game. But we put ourselves in position and we had the lead and, and uh, just didn't get it done. Meltdown, open up the gas can. Meltdown, bullpen almost out of spite. Yes, Jake, I would agree that the uh, the bullpen, um, as it were, watching it this season, um, frankly, has made me want to have a cardiac arrest and basically have an opioid addiction at the same time. So it's been one meltdown after another. Yeah, I, I just I have been so deeply disappointed for a team that has so little talent on it that is so desperate for wins. You know, when they do get themselves lined up for one. It's just disappointing to watch it uh, all fall away. It, it has been disappointing. Um, and, and, you know, you there's a great clip in there from the new manager of the Baltimore Orioles this year, Brandon Hyde. Um, and certainly at the very beginning of the season, I was not impressed by Brandon Hyde. Um, you know, I thought that he was just kind of a, you know, a stick figure, as it were, a, a, a Muppet, as it were, I believe is what I, I characterized him. But again, he has shown this kind of life, this... Uh, this this spirit of basically speaking his mind and basically calling a spade a spade, as it were, um, a meltdown, a meltdown, and just saying, you know, certain performances are not acceptable uh, for major league pitchers or major league players or anything in this regard. So um, I've been somewhat encouraged. However, that still doesn't make me think any different of Brandon Hyde. I still consider him, you know, that that Muppet of a man, as it were, in terms of this entire piece. So my song this year is in tribute to that, um, and this is to you, Brandon Hyde. Why are there so many stories about Burnham? How bad we really are Birdland's rebuilding It's another dark ages And Birdland is moving afar So we are told And some choose to believe it But I know they're wrong Wait and see Someday we'll find it, the Birdland Connection, Elias, Medell, and me. Who said every prospect would grow 
and be prosperous when given the data to thrive. Someone thought of that, and Delmarva believed it, and look what it's done so far. What's so amazing that keeps us all dreaming? What Burn land connection, Elias went down and me, and all of us are under its spell. We know that it's Oriole's magic. Have you been away, and have you heard the roar? I've heard it down. 34 Is this the sweet sound that calls you back again? The sound might be one in the same. I've heard it too many times to ignore it. It's something that's supposed to be. Someday we'll find it, the Birdland Connection, Elias, Madell, and me, da-dee-da-da-dee-dum-dum, da-dum-dee-dum-dum, let's go. You really are getting better at this. Getting better at this. That's amazing. Yeah. Where did you dig up Jim Henson? Um, I don't know. It's, you know, <laughs> probably out of the University of Maryland or something. <laughs> you know, I, I do I do think, though, that that, uh, you know, that speaks to a certain sense of the fan base. I, I think that there is a Birdland connection. And someday... We'll get there. Someday, Birdland. Someday. We'll be in that swamp. We're not quite there yet, no. but the dreamers in us, we'll get there. We'll get there. Well, assuming that anyone is still listening to the program now, and by gosh, I am so sorry for you, especially you, Derek Arnold. Let's go ahead and get this award show started. Wait, wait, Scotty. Whoa. Okay. Whoa. Jumping the gun. I'm throwing the flag. Okay. We have important business to All attend right. to first. Okay. This is the bevies. Yes. This is quite possibly the grandest of shows that we put together all season. Highest quality. And there is a lot of not high quality we churn out. We need to take a step back mm-hmm. and we need to think about for a, a such a, a a wonderful event as the bevies, as I look through this grand theater of all these folks dressed up in their finest these what, are homeless people, by the way. <laughs> what kind of drink of the week hmm. is appropriate for the bevies? Sure. And, Scotty, I have a couple. Yes. And so I have brought a, a whole bar here. Ooh. Um, and I would just like so to I go see through. Michelob. I see Bud Light. <laughs> I see Corona. I would like to thank some of the people that have gotten me through this first half of the season. Highlights from the first half include... Uh, gin and tonic poured by you yes. when I most desperately need it. Um, loose cannon, 
clearly uh your favorite beer bar, beverage bar none yes um and third and and pr- probably not most important but most clutch is whatever is in the fridge yes because there is there have been plenty of games that have been so bad so frustrating that whatever you have will do and Orioles games, not a fancy occasion these days. Absolutely not. And the most important thing is we're missing the most important drink of all, which was a drink with you. Ah. So cheers. What what have been the highlights of your season so far on the Drink of the Week? Uh, so uh, my highlight for the Drink of the Week so far has been uh, the indulgence and overflowing of wine across the Orioles podcast. And of course, I'm talking about the newest podcast edition. Tip of the cap. Yep. So that's the uh, O's wind-up. You know, Scotty, now that we're here on the stage uh, and we have at least one person's attention, I think we should kick this off, as you recommended. Let's go ahead and hand out a little hardware. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Zach Wilt and Jabby Burns of the Baltimore Sports Today podcast. Hey, I'm Zach Wilt. Hi, I'm Jabby Burns from Baltimore Sports Today. We are back this year to announce the Bevy winner for the Adley Rushman Hope Award. Give it to the brightest young talent who is currently playing in the Orioles farm system. It's been another tough year in uh, Birdland, but we're also taking a positive spin with this award, Zach. That's right. Yeah, we're, we're going positive. Uh, the Orioles are sending two youngsters to the Futures game. Delmarva had eight All-Stars this season, so these baby birds are giving us hope for the future, Jab. I agree with you, Zach, and it is fun to watch. Get on down to the shoreboards and see them. But um, for today, here are the nominees for the 2019 Adley Rushman Hope Award. Use Neil Diaz, outfielder, double A buoy. He came over the Annie Machado just to give everybody a heads up. Hopefully, he kind of keeps it going, Zach, I would have to say. But for me, Zach, I also heard, and as I'm opening my envelope here, I have Ryan Mountcastle, third baseman for the AAA Norfolk Tides. That's right. And I got to think Mountcastle's really knocking on the door with his performance uh, at AAA. Got to be one of the next guys that we see in Baltimore. Oh, yeah. Uh, I have D.L. Hall, starting pitcher, who's at uh, single-A Frederick. Well, and and if you didn't think that this guy was going to be on our list, you're crazy. He's been the phenom top prospect for the Orioles in 2019 at this point. And it's Grayson Rodriguez, a starting pitcher for your Delmarva Shore. Another place you need to get down and check out. All right, Jabby Burns. Our winner is... I got is... the ticket here. Ryan, Ryan Mountcastle. Ryan Mountcastle. What a year for Ryan Mountcastle. I'm really excited to uh, to see him contribute at Baltimore Jab. Uh, it's going to be an exciting time. I'm sure you'll be out at the yard when he makes his debut. I will do my best to get out there, Zach. And uh, I just want to thank all the nominees and to you and me and also to those guides at Bird's Eye View who do such a great job. And um, just want to help us give us – we're trying to give everybody some hope, Zach, for the future. Yeah, definitely. That's what this is all about. So we look forward to seeing all of these guys and, and even – even some of the prospects who didn't make the list, uh, their their contributions at the big league level in the future. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Derek Arnold of Utah Street Report. Thank you so much, as always, for having Utah Street Report as part of this year's Bevy Awards. Uh, we're honored to be back once again, and we'll get right into our first category. 
So this year, after six years of using the same categories, we're changing things up. Category number one is the best football score. Now, what does that mean? The Orioles have played a lot of games this year that when you look at the score afterwards, it looks like it was probably a football game. You'll see what I mean. So on April 7th, the Orioles lost to the Yankees 15-3. to Lots of field goals. April 10th, A's 10, Orioles 3. May 16th, Indians 14, Orioles 7. May 19th, Indians 10, Orioles nothing. And June 23rd, Seattle 13, Orioles 3. So we asked Birdland, as always, we have our, um, our readers vote. And the winner was... Oh, wait. Hang on. I'm hearing something. Yep. What's that? Oh, okay. Oh, all right. So this year, we are throwing a curveball. I'm sorry to everyone that voted, but we had some late entrants. The Orioles had two football scores go their way. They beat the Indians 13 to nothing on Friday. They beat the Indians 13 nothing on Saturday. And as a result, those games are, are your co-winners of our first and hopefully last at least where most of the nominees are Orioles losing, best football score of the first half. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Jake English of Bird's Eye View. Our first bevy presented by Bird's Eye View this evening will be the Statues Crumble Award. You know, there was something truly special about the Cal statue game in 2012, and Scott and I were lucky enough to be there, in the stadium, in left field upper reserve. The thing that made that game memorable was a single moment. You see, in this game, the Orioles had taken an early lead only to blow it in the top of the eighth inning, allowing the Yankees to storm all the way back and tie the game. And this being 2012, we, we still weren't convinced that the Dark Ages were really over and that you could excuse Orioles fans for thinking, oh no, here we go again. Instead, <laughs> instead, Adam Jones hit a home run in the bottom of the eighth inning, answering quickly, and the Orioles would never look back. In fact, they, they hit three more homers in that inning. In a way... You could say that the Orioles never looked back until 2018. That was a defining moment. It was in that moment as Jones's homer cleared the wall that Orioles fans could feel a real change. Something was different about this team. It was a franchise-defining moment. Which led us to wonder, what has been the moment in the 2019 season in which you realized that the Dark Ages were truly back, and that the 2018 season has been a warm-up rather than simply rock bottom. So, here are our four candidates for the Statues Crumble Award. Our first nominee goes to Chris Davis, setting an MLB record for offensive futility. Our second nominee goes to the Orioles losing the lead immediately during Tom Eshelman's debut game. Classic examples of the Orioles taking a gritty performance and, in essence, flushing it down the drain. Of course, Jake always loves to talk about attendance, and we can no, look no farther than the four-game series to start the season in April against the Oakland Athletics, where they lost three of four at home 
and hosted 30,674 in total over a four-game series. And of course, no category would be complete after a well-resonated monologue from Jake English discussing about the likelihood of the Orioles and the Yankees, with the Orioles once again losing a five-run lead to the Yankees in a May 20th game, uh, losing 10-7 to on a Dwight Smith throwing error on a sack fly that really wasn't a sack fly, Luis Pedro Severino missing a pop foul behind home plate, and Michael Givens being brought in to the game in the eighth inning to preserve a two-run lead and then blowing the game over two innings by giving up five earned runs in the eighth and ninth inning. And our winner for the 2019 Statues Crumble Award goes to... Oh my goodness, this is an upset. It is the Tom Eshelman game giving up the lead as soon as it had been assured in his Major League debut. Brace yourself. I have no idea what is coming up next. You know, Scotty, we have worked so hard to come up with... Have we? Okay. We have worked moderately hard uh, to come up with content for this team. This team who has, you know, just been so difficult to watch at times... um, and, and, you know, the script is, is often the same. And I got to be honest, you know, in preparing for this grandiose event that is the bevies, it was a little bit like scraping at the bottom of the barrel. And it would have been cliche for us to go through and do the good, the bad, and the ugly seven or eight times or whatever it is that we do in a nine-hour bevies. And so I'm going to recommend that we give up control. Okay. Let's not drive what gets handled and what doesn't, what topics come up and what don't. Let's let the fates decide, Scotty. And so I have been driven to many vices because Uh of Orioles baseball, uh, driven to drink, um, so many other things. I have been driven to gamble, Scotty. Okay. And so I have bought my own roulette wheel. I'm training up to uh, earn my retirement fund or season tickets, whichever comes first. And so I've rigged it up in a very special way. I was thinking maybe we could spin the roulette wheel, okay. which has a number of topics uh, attached to each number. Right. Spin the wheel. Let's see what topics come up. They could be questions. They could be statements. They could be challenges. And then we'll just we'll, we'll just see where things go. So we're going to play like a game of chance. Absolutely. So chance this go. I'm shocked. Shocked to find that puns are going here. Yeah. All right. Let's. Let's drop the ball and see where it lands. Never bet on orange and black. Uh, Jake, it has landed on number three. Okay, number three. Hang on a sec. Um, I can find out exactly what number three is. Oh, oh, number three is a good one. Scotty, who now reigns as best broadcaster on Orioles TV slash radio? Uh, Jim Palmer. Okay. That is a great, great answer. I have two counters. Yes. He's a color commentator. No, no. I, have, I actually have three counters. Okay. First, he was mean to me. Okay. That hurts. And you deserved it. I did. I absolutely did. <laughs> Second, uh, Kevin Brown coming on strong. Kevin Brown coming on strong. No question about it. I was not impressed with the amount of personality he inflected at first. I, I've since uh, reneged. Yes. Third counter. 
Yes. Though I love Jim Palmer mm-hmm. and everything that Jim Palmer is and has been for this organization, if you think that there is any way that I'm going to give any answer beyond the Brian Roberts watch, then you have not been listening to these Bird's Eye View episodes, sir. Yeah. So if you want to get caught up, episode one still on the website. If you want to just don't do that, have misery do with not, your life. <laughs> do not do that. All right. Um, I, I think that we are at a crossroads, obviously, with Joe Angel leaving uh, that broke my gosh darn heart. I think the Orioles have some some growing to do from a stability standpoint uh, from the broadcast teams. And I'm excited to see where they go. Again, I think the addition of Brian Roberts, who I really feel has come into his own as a color commentator guy or is on the way to becoming a, a quality guy, um, in addition to, to Kevin Brown, is, is a good sign. I would agree. All right, let's spin the wheel again and see uh, where we land here. Man, that really spins. 36. 36. 36. Scotty, I I don't have 36 on my list, and that makes me concerned that maybe you have thrown in a wild card. Uh, Do you have 36 on your list? One second. Uh, Unfortunately, this one is from a few years back. Uh, We had to dust this one off. Oh, Um, no. That's my apologies for that one. Uh, This one is, uh, Jake, if you had to create a Felix PA pie flavor, what would that pie flavor be? Okay, so this is Felix PA. Yes. Um, A Felix PA pie. Yeah, I think it's going to be something... Hear me out on this one. Sure. I think it's going to be avocado. Okay. Felix PA is an avocado pie because there is a single moment in time when it's good. Yep. And everything before and everything after is just unpalatable. So this makes perfect sense to me. I think it's in a similar regard, but I'm going to go with a banana pie because, in essence, you need that banana to turn you know, from a yellow to a black and become super mushy in order for it to be a pie. And there's no better indication of um, someone with, you know, devoice of any talent or whatsoever and in is a mushy state than Felix PA at this given time. All right. I, 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 I'm so glad that you brought up this uh, 36 from the, from the grave. And that's, that's all good and fine of the current roster. Mm-hmm. Who makes the best flavor to pie? Well, it's easy. It's got to be Mark Trumbo because he hates pies. <laughs> I will accept that answer. Spin the wheel, my friend. All right. Uh, number seven. Lucky number seven. Lucky number seven. Always bet on the red. Okay, here we go. Scotty, you know that one of the big holes in my pop culture game is the MCU. Okay, I'm just, I was never a comic book kid, and because of that, I, I didn't engage with the Marvel Universe. You had other dorky interests. Yeah, I was just I was afraid like, that they like were, the French horn. Right. <laughs> he's he's not as far off as you'd like to think. Um, you know, I was af- I was afraid to engage with the Marvel Universe because I was afraid that I would miss out on inside jokes mm-hmm. um, or, or references or tips of the caps, and and it's a big it's a big problem. And now me. you're doing a podcast. <laughs> doing a podcast, but. This number seven has come up, and it is Marvel. And so I ask you, with the Marvel influx in our culture, all right, which superhero would you pick to save our Baltimore Orioles? Um, so I would pick Thanos, and I would have him snap so that this whole misery and Dark Ages could be over instantaneously. Mm. I, I hear you. Yeah. I think I understand the reference, and I, and I hear you. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to veto that. 
Okay. I'm going to veto that because the answer is clearly Iron Man. Okay. We need Tony Stark to buy the team and spend whatever is necessary to equip that team in either ridiculously colored armor mm-hmm. or talented ball players. Yeah. And make us better in the blink of an eye. Makes perfect sense. So, you know, Tony Stark's one of his main colors is red. Um, he likes Ooh. to spend money. So, again, Jake, you want you, again, you've fallen back into the Red Sox territory, as it were, in terms of supporting that team. I really do feel like I walked into that. Yeah. All right. I, I feel like I can, I can make this better. Sure. Uh, I'm going to pander to, to the crowd here. Yep. Let's talk about the Orioles. Let's sure. talk about the 2019 Orioles, that, that team of heart, this, this thing that we love so much. Um, if you were to pick a 2019 Oriole, mm-hmm. who would be your superhero? What Orioles superhero is on the current roster? Uh, I'm going to go with Chris Davis, um, who has previously been a superhero for a promotion for the Orioles. Sure, absolutely. Uh, So in Endgame, uh, Thor comes back uh, and is extremely overweight and basically is kind of a shell of the former individual that he was. Uh, so when I think of Chris Davis, I think about this, you know, individual that is of Herculean strength and has done monumental things in the past. And it is now just a former shell of his original self. Okay. Again, remember, I haven't seen a single film. Yes. But I agree with you. Yeah. And for a different reason. Okay. Uh, that was a yes and. A yes and. Like, yeah. like that. Uh, I think that Thor uh, loses an eye yes. in one of these films. He does. Based on Chris Davis's approach at the plate, yeah. I can't help but think that perhaps he has lost an eye. Hmm. That is definitely a possibility. No question about it. All right. I think we did good work there. Mm-hmm. But um, let's spin the wheel and see what else we got. Number one. Number one. Number one in our roulette wheel and number one in our hearts. Yep. Uh, let me just uh, check that out here. If you could bring back one defunct Orioles podcast, mm. what would it be? Uh, I would bring back Orioles Spastics in a heartbeat. Okay. I think it was an underappreciated podcast at the time. Here's the thing about Orioles Spastics. I didn't watch Arrested Development while they were recording episodes and still managed to enjoy it. Well, Said that's that's good quality material. Boys, we miss you. Feel free to to come back and uh, and and you know just surprise us with a gift of a single episode. Single episode, just 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 pop out here. Here's twenty dollars. Go see a Star Wars, guys. Charlie, coach coach the guys up, would you? Yeah. Uh, I myself clearly, uh, though that is an excellent choice, would bring back Baltimoreans. Of course, Baltimoreans is my favorite Orioles podcast, uh, despite the fact that I do one. Also, your wife's, <laughs> also my wife's favorite Orioles podcast. And uh, does she still wear the shirt to bed every night? No. Okay. No. My wife does, but nice. Yeah. The finest of lingerie. Absolutely. We're in trouble. Spin the wheel. Okay. Twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. Uh, last page. Last. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Uh, okay, 27 it is. Scotty, which buckle-up bird would you bring back to the 2020 Orioles? Uh, Adam Jones. Heartbeat. No question about it. Yeah, I mean, when you say heartbeat, it's like the heartbeat of the team. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like that is... That's chalk. So I'm going to disqualify okay. Adam Jones. In fact, I'm going to disqualify Adam Jones. I'm going to disqualify Nick Markakis. Okay. I'm going to ask you to dig deep. Deep. 
Hmm. What uh, what B side buckle up bird would you bring back? Hmm. Uh, I would bring back Bud Norris. Ooh, in a relief role. That's fun. Yeah, that's fun. All right, I have a similarly fun buckle up bird to bring back. Okay. Uh, this team's going nowhere. Yeah. This team has nothing to lose. Yep. Uh, if you say Brian Roberts, I'm going to punch you, though. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, but I'm disappointed I didn't think of it. Yeah. This team has nothing to lose, but it's missing a, a, a real key figure. Mark Trumbo is hurt, mm-hmm. and Mark Trumbo is unable to not perform at the plate. Mm-hmm. He's unable to not play first base well. He's unable to not play right field well. He's unable to drag down the clubhouse with his uh, dire and dour personality. No, I'm not saying that we need a Mark Trumbo. With the exception of that last piece, the personality piece, why not bring back the Sheriff of Swattingham? Mark Reynolds would be a perfect addition to a last place, worst of all time club. And frankly, he has missed Baltimore since he left. Bring back the Sheriff. All right, another spin? Let's do it. All right. Man, that ball really, really going. Uh, Number nine. Number nine. The abs of steel. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. How avant-garde of you. Yes. And a great album, too. What do you have there for number nine? Uh, For number nine, I have, uh, Jake, with Bill Joel playing at Camden Yards, who would you schedule for 2020? Okay, uh, I need clarification here. Mm-hmm. Um, is it who would I, Jake English, bring? Yes. Or is it who should the Orioles bring? Uh, Jake English, who would you schedule if you had the choice? <sighs> I mean, clearly the answer is Paul McCartney. That That's the clear answer. Um, Which good artist would you bring oh, back into the stadium at this time? Gosh, you are the worst. Actually, um, I never want to see Paul McCartney live again because I, I saw him in 2005 and he was amazing. And if I see him now and he's an old, tired, sad man, it'll break me as a human. So I will step away from Paul McCartney and I will say um, that I think a great uh, Baltimore Oriole um, you know, uh, event would be Buffett. Hmm. I think that show is fun enough for a wide enough audience. Uh, and and I think that it's a good tie-in with the Hawaiian shirt. And, you know, they clearly tried to do it for the theme night, so bring them in for the music. Okay. I, I hear you for that. I think that's a, a, a good choice. That's that's only okay. But I think that you can save this. All right. Well, who would you bring in for the concert series in 2020? So I'm thinking, what could we do um, in order to, in essence, uh, help the Orioles go forward? Um, and, um, you know, kind of, you know, you know, reestablish Cannon Yards again as this focal point, um, within American culture. And, you know, I think another popple visit again would be a, a great way to do this. You know, he comes back, he blesses the, uh, the desecrated ashes that are a part of Cannon Yards now. And he basically, uh, brings back some of that, that magic, that, that Catholic magic back to the field. And, you know, Jim Hunter would be so excited. <laughs> I would love to hear him do like play by play during it because he would be all talking about the Catholic charities of Baltimore during it. So, so you're telling me that uh, you want to hear some Gregorian chanting. Oh, uh, there's no question about it. Oh, no question about gracious. it. I want to see the Pope mobile rolling down Russell street. <laughs> All right, that is that is excellent, and we're going to get hate mail. Please spin the wheel. <laughs> All right, let me spin this wheel again. Look, if we, if we haven't got hate mail yet, we're, we're we're in good shape. Okay. 
All right, let's see where this is going to land. Uh, my John Carroll ring is burning. Oh, look at that, uh, 13. <laughs> no coincidence after the Catholic joke segue. <laughs> All right, 13. Oh, Scotty, no, this is no, this is no good. Uh, thir- 13 is related to the All-Star Game, and you and I are going to talk about the All-Star Game in our next regularly scheduled podcast, which you know will happen whenever. Um, but let me ask you this question, because the roulette wheel has decided. Um, do you think that John means usage in the bullpen or non-usage in the All-Star game had anything to do with MLB's ongoing disagreement with the Orioles over mass and money? No. No. Totally unrelated? Totally unrelated. Okay. You and I are going to discuss this next week. That's fine. When we get back to And I will continue to laugh at you if you actually think that's a true thing. What do you mean? It's the roulette wheel talking. That has nothing to do with me. That's I'm fine. just reading. It's fine. Answers now. Betting on black. Uh, let's see. 29. 29, 29. Yes. All right. Always bet on black. All right. 29. Um, oh, Scotty, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to do it. No preparation. No thinking. We're going to do this. Live, we're going to do it quick. Scott, say something nice about the Orioles now. It's already halfway through the season. <laughs> That's not nice. I, I think you misunderstood. No, it's nice for me. Yeah, I think you, I think you misunderstood the roulette. Oh, okay. I'm going to say something nice. Okay. Kids free, uh, cheer free is still happening. That's a good thing. Oh, good. So you're using that on a regular basis since your children are in the ad age group. It's the only thing I could think of to say nice about the Baltimore Orioles. All right. right now. Well, let's go ahead and spin this wheel again. Twelve. Okay, twelve. Uh, hmm. Here's a question for you, uh, direct from the roulette wheel. There have been a couple articles this year and uh, prior to the season, in the off season, that have asked this question. Who was running the Baltimore Orioles? Uh, Peter Angelos has been rumored to be in poor health and less involved, but Major League Baseball requires that there be somebody at the helm, somebody that the owners' groups can go to, to uh, say, hey, hey, Baltimore, we need your vote. We need your decision. We we need somebody to go to. Scotty, who is running the Baltimore Orioles? Brady Anderson. <laughs> no, honestly, I think it's John Angelos. I think John Angelos is the face. I think he's, you know, going to be the individual that is going to be at the owners' meetings and basically taking care of it. Um, I mean, we talked about Masson earlier. Um, you know, I think John is the one that is going to be making the calls going forward. I agree with you that John is pulling the strings, but I think John's dual role as president of Masson yeah. and his role in the ballpark is a, it, the ball club rather, is a, uh, it's conflict of interest. And so I think you're going to see. When has that ever stopped Major League Baseball? <laughs> when it's convenient for Major League Baseball. So if Major League Baseball comes and says, hey, John Angelus, this is a conflict of interest. When does Johnny Lynch just be like, hey, is arbitration panel that you guys are running? That's also a conflict of interest. No, they're just going to send Lou. Right. Yeah, they have to. But J- I, John John is who's running the Orioles. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. Okay. Uh, look, one more. Let's just do one more. Let's get this going. All right. I like it. I like it. Uh, Jake, this is green, so it's zero. 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 Why well, I did I never bet on zero. Hmm. That's interesting. Oh, I've got this one. Uh, Jake, Beatles or Stones? 
Oh, gee, that's interesting. Uh, that's a good question. I mean, after all, you know, both have come up with good and bad albums. Um, uh, gee, I, I don't know, Scott. It's really tough. Beatles, of course. Uh, Jake, as much as I like to uh, make fun of Sir Paul, as it were, in mm-hmm. terms of his uh, vocal stylings at this given time, sure. Um, walk, watching Mick Jagger kind of stumble around on stage right now with the Rolling Stones and uh, fleece people out of their money, yeah, there's no question that the Beatles, Sir Paul, uh, will always reign triumphant over the Stones. No question in my mind ever. I don't know if you really feel that or you just don't have the Stones to tell me. Boom. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Matt Taylor of The Roar from 34. Hello, Orioles fans. This is Matt Taylor of Roar from 34. You can find me at roarfrom34.com on the interwebs, or you can look for me on Twitter at roarfrom34. I'm pleased to be on the bevies this year presenting the What Are We Mad About Today Award. Now, baseball, like any sport, invites some passionate fandom and invites a lot of emotions, many of them strong, and of course, one of those emotions is anger. In a season where apathy would seem to be more the norm, we Orioles fans can still find things to be angry about. Now, it's a new regime, a new day, looking forward, but we still like to live a little bit in the past, so let's start with our first nominee, Adam Jones. Now, we're not mad at Adam Jones, we're mad at the fact that he's not here. He's still playing a good right field there in Arizona. He's hitting home runs. The man can still play baseball. Why is he not in Baltimore providing veteran leadership, mentoring players like Cedric? Well, well, mentoring players. So our first nominee for the What Are We Mad About Today Award is Adam Jones. Let's stay in the past for our second nominee, Manny Machado. Now, Manny just made his way back through Baltimore, and there was some debate about whether we should boo him. Well, why would we boo him? Because we're we're angry. We're, we're mad about something. Our next nominee is Trey Mancini. Now, again, we're not mad at Trey Mancini. We're mad at the fans. We're mad at baseball. We're mad at the system keeping the Mancini down. Trey's an all-star. We made t-shirts. We had Chris Davis go out on golf carts and and have a bullhorn and promote the guy because what else is Chris Davis going to do for us? So the third thing for what are we mad about today is Trey Mancini. And our final nominee is more of a collective nominee of what are we mad about today, and that's the bullpen for obvious reasons. And... The winner of the Bevy Award for What Are We Mad About Today is... It's the bullpen, folks. It's always the bullpen. Enjoy the rest of the bevies. Thanks for letting me be part of them. And let's go O's. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sarah English and Carrie Magnus, the Baseball Widows. Hello, Birdland. The Baseball Widows are here to present our 2019 Bevy Award. All right, so our award for this year is called And the Nominees Are Award. With the absurd number of people running for the Democratic nomination for president, which Oriole, past or present, would you choose to run for president? Can I nominate Dan Duquette? Because I feel like we need a Canadian to help us get our stuff together in this country. Yeah, I mean, 
at this point, anybody could do it. But yeah, maybe somebody from the outside. Yeah. Um, I would like to nominate Adam Jones because whether or not he could win or do the job, I think it would be really fun to watch his campaign. And he'd probably take us on a food tour of the country while running. Stay hungry. If we wanted real leadership, we could always nominate Buck Showalter. He did great things with our team. He's a man of few words, but I think he would actually get something done. I agree. I also like his dry sense of humor. Indeed. And just for uh, just for <laughs> and giggles, how about we nominate Jake and Scott? As long as Jake takes president, I think Scott would be an excellent VP. All right. And the winner is... Buck Showalter. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Nathan Andrews of the Full Count Chaos Podcast. Hey, it's Nathan from Full Count Chaos here to announce the nominees for the best deal offered by a Baltimore restaurant for Chris Davis's first base hit in 2019. I want to thank Bird's Eye View for inviting me back to the 7th Annual Bevy Awards. Man, it has been tough these past few years. Being an Orioles fan it has been an absolute nightmare watching Chris Davis stand in the batter's box attempting to act like a big league baseball player. It's basically been a nightmare watching the entire Orioles team attempt to play against big league teams as well. You know, we count on our favorite team and players every day to entertain us and motivate us to want to spend our hard-earned money to come out and see them play live in Camden Yards. But when they play like this, we don't want to do that. Of course, all the Baltimore bars and restaurants out there also count on the Orioles to play well, hoping fans will want to stop by to get a bite to eat, have a cold drink, and enjoy the game. Well, sometimes these places need to think outside the box to try and get people to stop by their place to watch the game, especially when the Orioles are complete dumpster fire. And indeed, some of them did think of ways to get customers to stop by, and they didn't disappoint. So here are the nominees for the best deal offered by a Baltimore restaurant for Chris Davis's first base hit in 2019. Lee's Pint and Shell in Canton for offering a two-hour open bar for Schmirnoff crushes and Natty Bows to customers who are there already watching the game. Power Plant Live for offering 1,000 orange crushes and 1,500 if his first base hit was a home run. Hair of the Dog in Federal Hill for offering free corn dogs. Who the hell wouldn't want a free corn dog? And Bartender's Pub in Canton for offering free shots the same day Davis hits the first base hit. The drink was called the Chris Davis Special. It is a mix of amaretto. And Miller High Life, that sounds delicious. And the award goes to... Power Plant Live, we're offering 1,000 orange crushes and 1,500 if it's first base, it was a home run. Now, obviously, it wasn't a home run, but 1,000 orange crushes. I don't know if there's like 25 people there watching the game. That is a ton of free alcohol. I hope everybody got an Uber when they drove home. Well, congratulations to Power Plant Live for winning the Bevy Award. Again, I want to thank Bird's Eye View for asking me to participate in the Bevies, and hopefully next year we can give an award to the entire team for winning more than 50 games. Till next time, see ya! And now more from Jake and Scott. Jake, 
Every year, we pay homage to a previous time. We are entering into a dark territory, and we need to pay tribute to those who are no longer with us. Whoa, whoa, this is getting dark. It's going to get deep here. Get bird's eye view. Jake, this next segment is dedicated in memoriam to those Orioles that are no longer here, but were here from 2012 to 2018 during a golden age of Orioles baseball. Players who, though they are no longer on the field and no longer play in the park that forever changed baseball, will forever be in our hearts. They may not have a smiling bird on their cap, but they'll always have a smiling bird in our heart. Our first one goes out to Adam Jones, the captain, the individual that transformed this team through heart and spirit and continues to be a representative for Birdland, even on the West Coast. You know, my my favorite memory is clearly that home run that we talked about earlier. Um, also, you know, the the victory lap that he took during the playoffs, you know, engaging with the fans. Also, the fact that he was never afraid to run his mouth, even when it made you a little uncomfortable. He was a great uh, he was a great addition to Birdland, and I do miss seeing him on a regular basis. Our next one goes to number thirteen, Manny Machado. We knew this day was coming, but time waits for no one. And Manny Machado decided to take a plane from the coast, well, to the West Coast. And $300 million later, Manny Machado, with his little bitty ears, is no longer in Baltimore. You know, it's difficult to watch other people play third base and see plays that would have been ho-hum get, you know, bobbled by mere mar- m- mere mortals. It's uh it's difficult. It's difficult. And as we talk about a 2014 player, one that really solidified the Orioles team at third base. We've got to talk about Ryan Flaherty. Absolutely. And his great plays in the field defensively and also some of his clutch home runs during the playoffs. You know, the thing about Ryan Flaherty, beyond, you know, his weird presence as the emergency catcher, beyond his lifelong friendship with Pedro Alvarez, beyond his occasional power to the flag court, can be summed up in that single gif where he said, Come on, mother. Come on. Next we have none other than Buck Showalter. The skipper. The skipper. Number 26. The most interesting man in baseball, as we called him at one point. If he wasn't going to get sassy with you, you didn't have the right Buck that evening. Either that or he'd whistle through your nose. And all good managers need a compatriot. A right-hand man, as it were. An individual that is always going to you know, windmill it through. Never stop, as it were. And this one goes out to Bobby Dickerson, 
for sending J.J. Hardy all the way. Here's to you, Bobby Dickerson. That one send worked out, but every ill-advised send with that windmill of an arm was an inspiration to us all. And as we're speaking of him, J.J. Hardy, a consistent force out there at shortstop, solidifying the infield for years and years. And by the end, well, we had to put him out to pasture. Because it looked like he was walking on hot stones. And we couldn't bear the thought of the pain that was inflicted with seeing his ankles hit the hollow dirt at Camden Yards. All right. J.J. Hardy was accosted by my wife at FanFest once. That might be why he has hurt so much. I'm not sure that he's that she's washed her hand since shaking his. Um, J.J. Hardy was so much fun to watch. He was such a wonderful addition to Birdland. For a time, he was a power-hitting shortstop, leading that position in dongs, and then wasn't and was a consistent uh, contributor from the defensive side of the, the field. But the thing that he leaves us with are the pauses. J. J. Hardy. Ryan Wagner has never been the same since. And let's not forget about a more recent loss to the Orioles. The Flying Dutchman from the Kingdom of the Netherlands. We should have put this one right up against Manny Machado. We screwed this up. Uh, yeah, Jonathan Scope, fun to watch. We thought that better times were coming for him, but his time with the Orioles was too short. Too short. We talked about this individual earlier in the show. The Sheriff of Swattingham. Having one of those clutch home runs during that Cal Ripken statue game where he went in an absolute tear and nearly propelled the Orioles single-handedly in September of 2012 into the playoffs. When I look back at Mark Reynolds, the single image that I have of him is not him at the plate swinging that mighty bat. It's really two images. The first is him consuming sunflower seeds at third base while David Ortiz rounds after a home run. And the second is him flopping like a beached whale trying to catch a ball while keeping his foot on first base. And both of those images fill me with confusion and mild amusement. Our next one goes to an individual that, by gosh, all I can say is he did it. He did it. He hit that foul ball. No question about it. Nate McClough, you were here for the 2012 season. You were our base bandit. You may have said that you were bad on a few instances. But my gosh, Nate McClough, you weren't bad. We were bad for letting you go. I'd like to refer to him as Mr. Mr. <laughs> Nate Mr. Mr. <laughs> Next. We have Nick Markakis, oh. right fielder extraordinaire and resident of 2110 Utah Street. Former first round pick 
and current current Atlanta Brave. Nick Marcakis will go down as one of the greatest Orioles of all time. We thank you, Nick Marcakis, for never quite matching up to the potential that people said you were going to be, but being darn good in the process of hitting so many doubles and being that consistent force in right field on some really terrible Orioles teams. Nothing will fill me with as much joy watching the Baltimore Orioles, and I mean this, than that smile he flashed on the field when they clinched the AL East. Next, Scotty, this is a real loss. This is uh, is one that will take a long time to get over. And when I say a long time, I'm thinking like eight years. I'm thinking like deferred money. Scott, the player that has possibly left the biggest hole in the Baltimore Orioles is good Chris Davis. Yeah, it was um, a situation where, you know, after the 2015 season, you know, Chris Davis left us and we've yet to find him since. Chris Davis, once we find your body, wherever it may be, we hope that you can come back and be part of Birdland once again. Where have you gone, good Chris Davis? Birdland turns its lonely eyes to you. Woo, woo, woo. Next, we uh, we mourn the Birdland lost of someone who lost so much here in Birdland. Yes. And that, of course, is the nutshell spokesman himself, Caleb Joseph. If you're willing to give a ball, as it were, to this club, to this organization, to this fan base, then by gosh, I'm willing to give a ball back to you, Caleb Joseph. You know, his baby may not have eaten as often as we would have liked. But um, but he played the drums in our hearts. Yeah. And uh, I actively look forward to his retirement to see him in broadcasting. Next one goes to Delman Young. Ugh. Mazel tov. Moving on. <laughs> our, next, our next loss to this Birdland community during the Buckle Up Birds era is Andrew Miller. Hmm. Just imagine if the Orioles were gone out and re-signed him. I prefer to relive the decision to trade Eduardo Rodriguez for Andrew Miller as I'm forced to do every time we face Eduardo Rodriguez. There is no reason to wonder if we lost that trade. Of course we won that trade. Of course. And now we come to one of my favorites. One of the surprise, one of the diamonds in the rough from the Duquette era. One that still tweets to me in my dreams. Yes, of course, I'm talking about Wee and Chen. And, of course, his translator that goes along with him too. 
this is a dual package, and we and Chen gave so much to the Orioles and then went to the Marlins and suckered them out of a bunch of money. We and Chen, I tip my cap to you and say thank you. Next, we must recognize a real piece of the fabric of Birdland that was torn from us too soon. And that, of course, is Hyunsoo Kim. Na, 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 It's too soon. It's too, it's too soon, Scott. Hyunsoo Kim is special to us for so many reasons. But if I could just get personal for a moment. I was there in the park when he hit a home run, which was notable because he got an at-bat. He hit a home run that propelled the Orioles' season. It sustained the Orioles' season. It kept the Orioles' season going. That was the night that a monarch butterfly landed on my hat, and the picture was retweeted by the MLB Twitter account. We were talking about Hyunsu Kim. Um, Yeah, I think he was a player once. Yeah. Yeah. Good talk. Yeah. You know, there are some players that have come and gone with the Orioles. And one, when he came onto the Orioles... We asked ourselves, who the hell? Who the hell is this guy? And yet, at one point for the Baltimore Orioles, for a half a season, he was the best player for the Baltimore Orioles. Are you saying that for one brief moment, he was the potential World Series MVP for the Orioles? What I'm saying, Jake, is I will always be a member of Team Steve. Steve Pierce really did endear himself to Baltimore. And it wasn't just because he was the doofy white guy, lunch pail bringing player. He was the guy that really seemed to care about being here. After having been picked up on the waiver wire by so many teams, you know, Houston, New York, finally Baltimore, released, been on the bubble so many times to be a consistent contributor to a playoff team meant a lot to him and to see the real emotion to see the tears in his eyes in playoff post-game interviews made you realize that he really loved being part of Birdland and I must admit I loved him being there Jake this next one is is very sad because not only was he lost from the Orioles but he left this world in its entirety Zach Burton is no longer with us anymore. Zach Z-A-C-H has gone and is no longer a part of this existence. He is only a memory. He is only a portion of our heart now. But Zach Burton with an H, you will always be my closer. I look at it this way. That Zach Burton will never give up another hit. He will always come out of the bullpen. But Scott, he will come out of the bullpen to an inferior song. And if we're going to talk about bullpen members who come out running to the mound to the perfect song. Are you talking about someone that is not like the others? What if I say he's not like the others? 
Of course, I'm referring to none other than the pretender. Jim Johnson. Number 43 before both Mike Wrights. No longer with us. No longer the will he, won't he be terrible. Will he or won't he starting pitch? (laughs) Will he, won't he be a trade chip for starting pitching coming from Detroit? I prefer to think of Jim Johnson from the good days. A dominant closer. One who struck out Alex Rodriguez in the first playoff win in Baltimore in too many years. Jim Johnson's time here ended with a thud. But for that one moment in time, he was the pretender. Our next memorial goes to David Lowe with his 1% body fat and his reluctance to eat pies. David Lowe, I'm going to pour a bottle of port wine out for you in remembrance. David Lowe hit that one home run and he was useless for the rest of it. Forget him. Next, Chris Tillman. Chris Tillman was really the Jekyll and Hyde in many ways of the Buckle Up Birds. An all-star caliber leader of the staff. Not quite an ace, but perhaps the anchor. Or the dude that pitched 50 pitches against the Pirates in the first inning. It was a bit of potpourri. But it was the good-smelling potpourri. The kind that you bring out for guests. Chris Tillman with the did he get fat this offseason? Chris season or Chris Tillman with the growth chart. Chris Tillman, the not quite ace of our hearts. Jake, the next one is going to be Jesus and Les Tons. Gesundheit. Or Jesus in cleats. Of course, we're talking about Matty Backstop. Matt Wieters. I remember going to Matt Wieters' first game coming up. And, you know, he did have maybe unfulfilled potential. But ultimately, his performances, maybe not at that superstar level like we thought it was going to be, helped define and solidify the catching backstop. And you know what? You don't run on Matt Wieters. Matt Wieters was good. He was very good. Perhaps not a savior. But we'll take very, very good. And I think Matt Wieters' lasting legacy for me will be the mattweedersfacts.com website. Next... A real loss. A personal loss for me, Scott. An individual older than you. That's Darren O'Day. Darren O'Day, who was the lone Oriole older than me until his untimely trade. But he was so much more than that. He was a submariner, which is fun to watch. He was a man who hit Jose Bautista with regularity. He was a solo-wheeling relief pitcher. He was a man who led the bullpen through times both good and challenging. He was 
a real Oriole. The next one goes to the architect, Dan Duquette. You know, some folks may come back and consider that Andy McPhail was what made the Orioles great in 2012 through 2018. And to a certain regard, they're partially correct. But without some of these pickups of some of these fine gentlemen that we have talked about before, we wouldn't be doing this segment as it is today. Dan Duquette, I hope wherever it is you are buried in Canada, that the snow falls on you so that you can feel it. We've emoted quite a bit. We have... We've felt things. And uh, I want to leave this segment, this in-memoriam segment, in uh, in the appropriate place. And so as we look back to the Buckle Up Birds era and all that which has left us, as we look at the present quagmire of terrible that we are locked in, as we look ahead to the tough road up the hill of not being terrible I think we need to acknowledge a real loss and that is the loss of Orioles fans self-respect it's difficult Scott it's so difficult to root for this team to to care about this team to know that they're going to let you down and yet have the strength to look them in the eye and say Orioles I'm not angry I'm just very very disappointed ladies and gentlemen please welcome Derek Arnold of Utah Street Report once again thank you Jake thank you Scott it is me Derek Arnold from Utah Street Report back here for our second bevy award for the first half of 2019 So, our first category, best football score, was directly impacted by our second category. There were a lot of very bad relief pitchers for the Orioles in that first half. Like, historically bad. But who was the bullpen bum of the first half? Your nominees. Evan Phillips. Brandon Klein. Tanner Scott. Richard Blyer. Miguel Castro. Josh Lucas, and Michael Givens. So, we asked our readers to vote as always, and with 40% of the vote, your bullpen bomb of the first half was Michael Givens. Congratulations, Michael. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Ryan Blake of Orioles Fan Problems. How's it going, Orioles fans? My name is Ryan Blake. You may remember me from previous appearances on Bird's Eye View, maybe Section 336, Birdland Radio. Maybe you know me from Twitter. Maybe you don't know me at all. In which case, hello. Uh, this is my, I believe, my third time uh, participating in the Bevy Awards. Thank you to Scott and Jake for having me back this year. Uh, last year, I gave out the Don't Go In There After Me Award. I gave it to Chris Tillman for consistently leaving his bullpen in a uh, messy situation. Uh, This year, I'm going to give out the uh, most likely for me to not remember 
your name on the Orioles 2019 Sporkle Quiz. I think I'm going to have to work on shortening that title. Uh, most likely for me to not remember your name. Yeah. Uh, so there are a plethora of guys I could give this award to. Uh, lots of pitchers who are riding the Norfolk Shuttle. Obviously, depending on what happens the rest of the season, uh, some of this may change, but I'm probably not going to remember Asher Wojciechowski. Probably butchered that name. Uh, I'm probably not going to remember Sean Gilmartin. I'm probably not going to remember Tom Eshelman, Josh Lucas, Matt Watherspoon, Pedro Aurujo. Who knows, man? Uh, I'm probably not going to remember most of these names, but I wanted to give it to a position player. And uh, the guy I'm going to give the award to was a Rule 5 guy. Had a pretty solid spring this year, from what I recall, and I say that because when I went to the baseball reference page to look at the Orioles' 2019 spring training stats, uh, this guy was not included, despite playing for most of the spring. Uh, He was not listed at all on the Orioles roster for spring training, but uh, I know he was there because I remember it. Rock was tweeting about him, so he existed he was having a pretty solid spring, good enough to make the team, obviously, as a 25-year-old outfielder. Uh, he was then designated for assignment after going 0-3 with a walk in three major league games. Returned to the Los Angeles Dodgers in favor of a roster spot for Dan Straley. We all know how Dan Straley turned out. I will remember his name on the Orioles 2019 Sporkle Quiz. Uh, this guy, I'm going to give the award to... I'm going to change it up a little bit. Least likely... For me to remember your name on the Orioles 2019 Sporkle Quiz. Uh, my friend Ethan Castle, who lives out in California, makes the quiz every year for every team. If you're not familiar with Sporkle, it's like a fill-in-the-blank timed quiz, uh, kind of pick your brain a little bit. Um, but I do it every year. There's They exist for the Orioles out there for the last several years, uh, where you have to name every player who made an appearance on the team at all during the season. And the guy who, on the 2019 quiz, I will not remember outfielder Drew Jackson. Drew was a guy who maybe we thought was part of the rebuild. Maybe he was just a Rule 5 guy we were taking a flyer on, but there was some excitement around him coming out of spring training. Uh, Designated for assignment uh, beginning of April after making a couple appearances. I remember watching him fly out to center field at Camden Yards. That's my Drew Jackson memory. Uh, But I will not remember him when I am trying to fill out the 2019 Orioles Sportle Quiz, but I probably will remember Dan Straley, who took his roster spot. Thank you for your attention. Uh, Ryan Blake, like I said, uh, you can find me at Blake. You can find me at Orioles Fan Probs with a Z because I thought that was cool when I created the account back in high school. Just hit 10,000 followers earlier this year. Shout out to me for that. Actually, shout out to you guys for that. Um, but uh, thank you for uh, paying attention to what I have to say for whatever reason. Thank you, Scott and Jake. Go Birds. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome hosts Katie and Kyla of the Wind Up Podcast. Hi, we're Katie and Kyla, the hosts of the Wind Up and Orioles Podcast, and we're honored to present the Ryan F. Flaherty Award at the 7th Annual Bevies. This award goes to the Orioles player who most embodies the spirit of Ryan F. and Flaherty, with metrics including cringeworthy base running, meaningless home runs, meaningful errors, frustrating plate appearances, and vacant stares. The nominees are Dwight Smith Jr. for his inability to hit the cutoff man and finding inventive ways to make outs on the base paths. Stevie Wilkerson for being a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, and taking the most inefficient route to every fly ball hit his way. And finally, Chance Sisko for hitting home runs when we're already winning or losing by more than five runs and making costly errors at home plate. And the winner is
Chancisco for his meaningless home runs and meaningful errors. Pop that champagne. <laughs> Cheers to Chance. You really deserve it. You really are this year's embodiment of Ryan F. Flaherty. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Scott Magnus of Bird's Eye View. Jake, this season has been dismal. And um, that leaves us in a tough spot. On one hand, we don't want to pile on, but knowing my nature, um, we don't want to be Jim Hunter as well. Uh, so for the final award of the 7th Annual Bevy Award, we're going to give out the Most Pleasant Surprise Award. This is like uh, getting into your car um, and uh, realizing that, hey, I had Taco Bell the night beforehand and my entire car smells like Chalupa. Uh, that is a good surprise. Yes. But I don't think you've given it enough credit. Yeah. Let me stick with fast food. I, I think this is like the the bag fries mm, award. Yes. Right? And not just the one you see. Yeah. But the one that's underneath the napkins. Yes. That is the really... Pleasant surprise. Yeah, so it's like a hidden surprise, as it were, and it's just like... Maybe under the flap, you know, sometimes at the bottom of the bag, yeah. there's that flap, and you can Ooh, get a, a get fry a, get in there. Get an extra fry in there, yeah. yeah. Can you imagine, like, if you got a Taco Bell bag, and there was, like, a hidden chalupa underneath there? That'd be, like, magical. I'm listening. Yeah. Uh, all right, so uh, going through our nominees for uh, this year's Most Pleasant Surprise Award, uh, leading us off is going to be John Means making his first All-Star game. And John Means was one of those individuals that got the one of the last roster spots coming out of spring training as well. Yeah, there's been a lot to him, you know, basically preparing for his second career, making that LinkedIn profile, thinking he was about to flame out of the sport. And here he is, the Baltimore Orioles All-Star. Next would be Trey Mancini having a bounce-back season. You know, we talked about it last year. We weren't sure if Trey Mancini was going to be able to restore the greatness that he showed during his rookie season. Um, but lo and behold, Trey Mancini has improved dramatically um, and has kind of returned to, I wouldn't say all-star-like glory, because, again, he wasn't selected as an all-star. Well, he was the second most disappointing all-star snub that the Orioles had. Right. But I would say that Trey Mancini is putting up great numbers for a individual that doesn't have a position. Our next one goes to great minor league performances out of players such as D.L. Hall and Grayson Rodriguez. Whoa, 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 whoa. I agree. Both of those performances have been excellent, but can we just include the entire Delmarva Shorebirds roster? Yeah, I mean, Delmarva started off absolutely great this season, and it's been great to see um, success both at the player level and also the team level. So congratulations to Delmarva and also congratulations to the Bowie Bay Sox for starting off so horribly, but rebounding to be in first place at the break um, within double A. So congratulations to both those teams. Speaking about minor leagues and prospects, um, another one would be a knock it out of the park draft. We talked about this in the last show. I was immensely impressed with the amount of signings the Orioles made and the quality of talent that they were to get in comparison to some of the top prospect boards out there, such as Baseball America, Baseball Prospectus, MLB Pipeline, and Keith Laws. Um, so again, well done Orioles for actually doing a good job and going out there and knowing how a Major League Baseball team is supposed to operate. And our last one is, Jake, we learned to love the duck. The whole meme of this is Duckland or, you know, I just like the duck really became a part of Birdland in social media for the first half of the season. Our 2019 experience. Sure. Absolutely. 
So, Jake, with those nominees, let's go ahead and uh, open the envelope and uh, reveal the pick, as it were. Okay, let's uh, see if we can... Oh, my, Scotty, this is, uh, this is a surprise. The winner of the Most Pleasant Surprise Bag Fries Award goes to Learning to Love the Duck. How can you not love the duck? This is Duckland. I just like the duck. If you ever get into a bad situation and someone's like, why are you wearing an Orioles hat? Just turn around and says, oh, well, I just really like the duck. And if they don't get it, that's on them. And now it's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly of potpourri. We couldn't do the bevies without a little good, bad, and ugly. In what has, for better or for worse, become one of our signature segments, we'll go ahead and take a look at the first half, and we'll tell you who we think is good, who we think is bad, and who has been ugly. I'm going to go ahead and go first, as Scott's rants in the ugly department tend to exceed the quality of my own. And my good is going to go to Renato Nunez. Look, we know that John Means has been good. We know that Trey Mancini has been good. There have been moments where Jonathan VR has been good. Uh, but when we talk about players that may have trade value, we clearly have another player who's waltzing his way into that territory. Renato Nunez is giving Boog Powell a run for his money or something. Uh, Renato Nunez in what has been a lost season for the Orioles is producing at a average major league level. And that is not a backhanded compliment. This is a player who may not have made the roster on the worst team in baseball and has gone to become someone that I think, I think might be a useful spare part on any club. And again, that is not meant to be a backhanded compliment, Uh power bat, someone who can play, Third base, kind of. Someone who can play first base, kind of. Somebody who has limited defensive value, but uh, lots of flexibility in that limited defensive value. Renato Nunez has been a pleasant surprise. Uh, and I hope, for his own sake, that he continues to get the playing time and rises to the occasion. He is my good for the first half of 2019 my good for the first half of 2019 is going to go to andrew kashner he did the one thing that he was supposed to do for the baltimore Orioles. he established himself as trade value so that the Orioles could trade away at the trade deadline so andrew kashner has gone out has nine wins on this team which is unbelievable um 6.17 case per nine 2.71 walks per nine again not great but a 49.2% ground rate um, with a 3.83 ERA, a 4.2 FIP. Some team is going to look at him and say, hey, there might be something there over an entire season. Me personally, I look at his BABIP of 2.256 and say, I think something is going to regress. But Andrew Kashner has probably convinced enough people out there to say, I'm going to go ahead and take a shot on him 
and uh, the Orioles aren't going to get much back from him, but ultimately dumping his salary and uh, getting back anything for Andrew Kashner coming into this season is a shock to me. And Andrew Kashner is good for reestablishing his trade value. All right. My bad is going to be a bit of a reversal from something I said earlier in this season. And my bad is going to be the propensity of Orioles position player pitching. Look, watching position players pitch is fun, right? It, it's basically one step ahead of weird baseball. It is entertaining to watch. And it's fun in a carnival way, in a train wreck kind of way. But that's not good. In, in fact, that's bad. And there is a stat. There have been, at this point in Orioles franchise history, 12 position player pitching appearances, and a full quarter of those have taken place in 2019. It is an indictment on the pitching staff. What is more of an indictment on the pitching staff is that the position players that have pitched have not been as bad as you might think. The three position players who have pitched, we have... Chris Davis, a return to the mound. We have a Jesus Sucre. And we have the committee for Hanser Alberto. And if you put their stats together, it's not as disappointing as one might think. In three innings pitched, the ERA would be somewhere around 13 and a half. And uh, frankly, that puts them in better position than Matt Watherspoon or a Sean Gilmartin. But still says bad things. And so... The need for position player pitching is my bad. My bad goes to Alex Cobb. We talked about Andrew Kashner establishing trade value. Alex Cobb was one of those individuals they thought also may be able to establish some trade value. Unfortunately, he never was able to kind of start off the season on, on the right foot. And Alex Cobb never was able to get out there. And when he did, he pitched very poorly, struggling through an injury. And the question will be, can Alex Cobb give the Orioles anything, not in the 2019 season, but in the 2020 season? So Alex Cobb, we're crossing your, our fingers that you can pull a Kashner and pull a rabbit out of your hat. Oh, it came out of his hat. Yes, out of his hat. All right, for my ugly in what is a somewhat ugly season here in 2019, my ugly is going to go to Miguel Castro. Miguel Castro, uh, it was hoped by the organization in what was sheer madness, it was hoped that he could be a starter. That clearly was dumb. But then there were some moderate hopes that he would be a, a, an effective reliever, someone who could go multiple innings, someone who could rear back for the heat when it was needed. And there was a lot of promise there. But that promise has not been lived up to. And... Beyond that, I fear that Miguel Castro's season has proven that he is unsalvageable as a major league pitcher. And when you look at Miguel Castro, he is only here because of the dire situation the Orioles roster is in. Castro is one of the leaders in innings pitched, uh, seventh on the team, which is not good news. And none of the peripheral stats uh, are... are are anything worth uh, worth looking at. The thing about Miguel Castro is that he's got a live arm, but 
He's also got a little bit of that Danny Cabrera aspect to him. Live arm, nothing else to go with it. When this team becomes better, I'm afraid that Castro will be nothing more than a footnote. And that is ugly. Jake, the obvious ugly for this season so far has to be us. Our lack of attendance, both in terms of watching games, listening to games on the radio, and frankly, going to games, is an abomination. It's an embarrassment. And frankly, we're doing a disservice to both this fan base, this audience, and again, if you're actually still listening to this, kudos to you, um, and our children for not getting them out to the games. Jake, we suffered through seasons upon 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 seasons and if i did that correctly i believe that was 13 so jake we can get through a few bad seasons upon seasons no, just this one season. We haven't got to the next season yet. When I when we come back for the next year's batteries, I'll come back and do two. Um, but Jake, we need to get out to the ballpark. We need to attend. We need to take our children out there and be part of it. You mentioned kids cheer free. There is no reason in the world that we shouldn't go to one of the best ballparks in Major League Baseball. We talk about this during the fall. We talk about this during the winter time. Every single month. From October until March, we are always saying, I can't wait to get into the stadium. I can't wait for baseball to be played. I can't wait for that pitch to be thrown for the first time. I can't wait for that smell, that ambiance, that you know, white noise, as it were, that baseball season is. And to let it pass by, well, it's kind of like watching your children grow up and not playing with them through it. Baseball is a journey. Baseball is a part of life. Yes, it may not be the best time. There may be hardships. There may be trouble. But that's what life is all about. And you know what? Spending that time during the misery and the woe only makes the glory days, like we talked about for 2012 through 2018, that much sweeter when it comes to fruition. Scott, are we on notice? Jake English, we are on notice. Now it's time for a last word from our hosts. Well, listeners, we have reached the end of yet another Bevy Awards program. As always, we would like to thank you. Thank you. This project simply wouldn't work without you. We are humbled and appreciative, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. We're humbled and appreciative that so many of you spend an hour a week, sometimes more, with us, celebrating or commiserating over the Baltimore Orioles. And thanks to all of those of you who've reached out over the years. Uh, We have met so many of you amazing people through this podcast, both in person and through digital connections. Now more than ever, people... We're in this together. This is a community. We are here to get you through these dark times. So don't be a stranger. Reach out, say hello, and realize 
you're not alone. We'd also like to take a moment to thank our wives, the baseball widows, who are tolerant and indulgent of this whole podcast thing. Sure, maybe they knew what they were getting into uh, when they married us, but they are still nicer about it than they have to be. Thank you to the many, many people who make Bird's Eye View possible. Our logo is the work of the phenomenal guys over at OBP Apparel. Our theme song, Watching the Orioles, is by Songs from the Moon. Our interstitial music that you hear each week is No Robots by Black Dog Prowl and Mania by The Last Year. As always, we want to extend our special thanks to the voice of the bevies, Jovial Jay Shepard. And believe me, if you knew what I put Jay through every year to put this show together, you would appreciate him too. So thank you. Thanks again for listening to the 7th Annual Bevy Awards. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a fond adieu adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's. Thank you for listening to the 7th Annual Bevy Awards. For more lack of insight and baseless opinion, subscribe to the Bird's Eye View podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play Music. New episodes drop every Monday during baseball season and monthly during the offseason. Get social with Bird's Eye View on Facebook, Snapchat, and Instagram. But the best place to get a hold of them is on Twitter, where they tweet at Bird's Eye View Ball. That's Bird's Eye View B-A-L. And if you'd like to hear more from me, you can check out all of my great shows, part of the superhero suite of podcasts at RetroZap.com, including Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Case Files, Scarlet Velocity of Flash Podcast, and Green Justice and Arrow Podcast. You can also get more from me each month on Jedi Journals, the longest-running Star Wars literature podcast in the galaxy at ForceCast.net, and also weekly posts at RetroZap.com called MCU Location Scout and Sci-Fi Saturdays. For the 7th Annual Bevy Awards, this is Jovial J signing off.